evening is from Mark's Gospel in the fourth chapter, uh, beginning at verse 26. And he, Jesus, said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the gospel of our Lord. Would you please join me, uh, join together with me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done as you bring us here into the shade of your grace, where you provide for us where you have taken care of all of our needs, where you have forgiven our sins and call us unto yourself. We pray, Lord, that you would work by your Spirit to remove distractions from our hearts and minds, that you would ever ground us in the word of Christ and all that he has done for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This past week, as some of you know, my family and I got to go on a vacation. I will not make it a regular practice to tell you all about our vacations every time we come back from vacation, because I know many of you actually may not get that opportunity as much as you'd like. Though as I look around, many of you may have more time on your plates than you used to when you were working. So you may have plenty of time to go and do all these wonderful things that you have always wanted to go do. But this past week, we got to go to Yosemite, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And as I prepared for this week, knowing that we were going to go on vacation in the middle of the week and still had a sermon to prepare, I read the scripture ahead of time at the end of last Sunday as we were kind of heading out off to Yosemite, knowing that there were going to be rocks and trees and water and beautiful things out there in the hills. And we get these two parables about seeds growing and growth happening and branches going out and shade being provided for the church. And I just thought, thanks, God. You are giving me about 15 miles of hiking to prepare a sermon. I love it. This is wonderful. As we got to walk a lot of beautiful trails and see a lot of beautiful scenery. Now, the only thing I wish I did have was what the disciples had. At the end of that reading, you heard at the very end, it was Jesus himself that explained everything to his disciples. Those 12 that were with him for those three years up to the crucifixion and then after into the resurrection and then taking the church on from that point. Being able to hear everything from the words of Christ about what these confusing parables, to us at times anyway, what they actually meant, what he meant by them, what pieces meant what, you know, what did the seed represent, what were the plants, what were the birds, all these different things. Unfortunately, you don't have Jesus to explain them to you, but I'll give it my best go. With all the things that I have learned from times past and all the folks that I have read uh, who have spoken about these words for many, many years throughout the ages of the church. Now, if you're familiar with this section of Scripture, it follows on the heels of another parable, which is very familiar to us, but it's very different than these two. 
See, the first one, just a few verses ahead of where we read tonight, is about a sower scattering seed. Some fell on the rocky ground, and some fell on the hard path, and some fell on the fertile soil, and how that seed took root, and that one most definitely is about how God's Word takes root within our hearts. We can find ourselves in that one because we can look around and we can see either within ourselves or within our family how that seed, when planted, that seed of faith as it has landed, has either taken root over a long time or maybe it was slow to grow or maybe it sprouted up really quick but then cares of the world knocked it over and maybe it needed to regrow a little bit. Maybe we have loved ones where it hasn't. But that's that parable. These two parables he starts off quite differently. In these two parables that we heard tonight, he said, with what should we compare the kingdom of God? Ding, ding. Okay, something to focus in on. With what should we compare the kingdom of God? How should we try to explain God's work? How should we try and wrap our heads around what God does without us even doing anything in the midst of it? How should we wrap our heads and try and understand the way in which God works within his creation? That's the intro to these two parables. In the first one, we see a sower scattering seed, right? Throws the seed out there, and then what's he do? Nothing. He waits. If you've ever planted or gardening, you know what that's like. We can't remanufacture a seed. We, don't, I mean, we can study how it grows and what it does, but we can't really replicate the process at all. Pretty much, you plant it, and you wait for the outcome. You wait for it to do what it's going to do. You wait for it to do what God has intended it to do. That's how God's word works. We plant it, and we wait. We wait to see the outcome of that word. We wait to see the fruition of that beautiful plant of the word within someone's life. And then we see Christ planted in the tomb, resurrected. And the growth that comes from that, the growth of the church as it went on and that word made flesh is resurrected once again and that word continued on through the ages. Okay, bring this into things that we can see because seeing things always helps me. So now you get pictures from our vacation. Okay, so our first one is we were hiking along on the first evening. We came across this picture. Now, if you're one of those that looks uh, at the whole forest and not the trees, you see a beautiful forest. If you're one of those that can't see the forest for the trees, <laughs> there's a little tiny baby tree right in the middle. That little tiny baby tree is a ponderosa pine. They have a wonderful lifespan. They actually live to be about a thousand years old. That's an amazingly long time to think of. Think about that. A thousand years ago, the year that 1021, what would the world have looked like? Who was where as far as kingdoms go? How far had Christianity gone? I know they got to Ireland because in a previous trip, I remember walking past a church that said founded in 998. That's pretty amazing. A church building that had been there a thousand years. Now, a tree, and this little baby of a tree grows up to be like those big trees behind it. But if you know Yosemite, a thousand years and ponderosa pines are not that big of a deal. There's bigger trees. And so as we continued on, and this was a few days later as we were walking, we came to some bigger trees. These are at the beginning of the sequoia growth. Now, sequoias are pretty amazing. See, sequoias can live upwards of 3,700 years. 
And within Yosemite, you've got some pretty old sequoias. Now, we see them, they are big. The bark is different, the grain is different. But imagine the amount of shade that these things provide as these grow up within that space. And to give you a little sense of the size, and these are smaller to medium sequoias, uh, go ahead and go to the next one, Gavin. So there's our three children around the base of one, arms stretched out, just about covering the diameter of one of the more medium, younger range sequoias. And the picture on the right is the same one, just trying to capture a little bit more of the size, height-wise, of that sequoia. And these are great. These, these were beautiful, amazing trees to look at. But if you go a little further down the trail, there's a really big one. And it's called uh, the uh, Grizzly Giant, if I remember right. Now, best estimates on this tree are 2,995 years old. Let's put that in perspective for a second. This was taking root when Solomon was building the first temple. David likely just handing off his kingship to his son. A thousand years before Jesus had taken on flesh. That's a long time ago. That's a lot of history. It's a lot of slow growth. That one stands about 290-something feet tall, about the size of the Statue of Liberty. The circumference of it is about 92 feet around the base, and it has weathered fires and windstorms and lightning and all kinds of things. And by no means is this the largest sequoia ever. I mean, you go up to the Sequoia National Forest, and there's a lot of big ones. This one, like I said, is about 3,000 years old. Based on most of the other sequoias we've seen, maybe it's got about another 700 years left. We don't really know. We'll see. But it's weathered a lot of storms, yet it still has a time frame. It still has an end. As we hear Jesus' second parable to his people, we hear that this little tiny mustard seed, right, the smallest of all the herbs in the garden, grows up into this thing that is going to grow and provide shade for the birds that come and nest in its shade, a place of peace, a place of refuge, a place of rest. Now, a bird isn't sitting out there with its wings over its head trying to provide its own rest or shade. It's enjoying what's been given to it. And these trees are amazing, absolutely. Yet they still get knocked down. The other thing that happened up in Yosemite this past January was a windstorm unlike they had ever seen. Winds upwards of 100 miles an hour, breaking pines and sequoias. They lost 15 sequoias that were between two and 3,000 years old. Blew them straight over, down to the ground. Uprooted them and laid them out. Most of the hiking trails, if you go up there right now, all have a sequoia laying across them. And at around 2 million pounds of tree, there's a lot of tree to move. So they're working on all that. Now, there's still routes around to be able to go see things, and that's what we did. But those trees have a lifespan. So what was Jesus talking about when he laid out these parables? Because all I was trying to do was mirror the parable with something that you could see and kind of wrap your head around a little bit. Well, as we hear these parables about the kingdom of God, about how God works in the midst of his creation, we hear of that seed again being planted, that word being planted that is going to grow up 
and provide shade and mercy and grace for all those that are called underneath it. That word is Christ to begin with, and then it's the church. That plant that has grown up that Jesus is talking about, that kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about is the growth of the church in a place that is provided for you so that you have a place of rest, so that you have a place to hear God's words of forgiveness, so that you have a place to hear of his love for you and how he cares for you. Oftentimes, we may want to throw our hands up and provide our own shade, hold on to things in our own way, and say, that looks beautiful over there, but I don't really need it. I'm just going to stand over here and take care of things on my own. If you've ever been hiking on a hot trail, you know how beautiful shade is. You know how beautiful a sip of water is. That's what you get here. And that's one part of it. The other part of it is that you're called into a church where God works through the family of that church to take care of you. And for you to take care of each other. Because we're not just called into a place to receive one thing, though the one thing we get to receive here, we receive here and nowhere else. We get to receive the promise of God of your forgiveness in Christ. That's what you get to receive here. You get to receive Christ in your hands in the communion. You get to receive the love of God tangible and real for you. Then you also get to walk through life together. You also get to be provided by God, people around you in your life to walk through hardships and to walk through joys. But a church gathered together to live in the rest of God together. A rest and a peace and a grace and a mercy provided for you that you didn't have to do anything for. The bird in that parable did nothing but happened to land in the shade. That was it plant grew up by God's hand. It grew in the way it was intended, as as God's word has grown, as the beautiful promise of Christ's resurrection and life everlasting has been preached throughout the years. Since before Solomon's time, for the entirety of the time that that tree has been growing, and even on into the future until Christ comes back, and restores all those things. There's something different about the church from all of those trees. One, the lifespan. But two, there's absolutely nothing that will break it down. No fire, no lightning, no storm, no ideology, no philosophy, no anything like that will break God's church down. His word is permanent, his promise is forever, and that promise is for you that you will be part of that church because nothing can tear you out of God's hand. That promise has been made as well. And in another gospel, we hear Christ say, all of you who are weak and heavy laden, burdened by everything, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's what you get here at church. Wherever church may end up being, as we're gathered together around the promises of God, and his word for you in Christ. And it's in that word that we rest. Amen. Let's pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ. And we pray that you would give us the courage to lean on one another when we need to lean on one another. 
and that we would be there for others to lean upon when that time is necessary, knowing that you are there through it all, that you have provided what we need, that you will carry us into eternity by your love and your grace and your mercy, which we have done nothing to deserve, but you give it so freely. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to hold on to us and all that you've done for us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.